Good morning. Well, it's good morning for me. I don't know if it's morning time for you when you're listening to this, but it's 6.30 a.m. Pacific time, where I am. I like to get up early. It's just really quiet and peaceful in the morning. It's my favorite time to walk. There's no cars or traffic. It's before everyone's morning commute. So it's my favorite time. Anyway, (laughs) welcome to... Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the both and episode. I've missed you all. It's been um, almost two weeks since I've launched an episode, and I'm pretty proud of myself for that because I just decided I'm going to remove any sort of pressure I feel to crank out an episode once a week for the rest of my life in perpetuity and just go at my own pace. Oh, (laughs) Waffles is trying to get in. Waffles, you want to come in? Waffles is my cat. Now she is having mixed emotions about coming in. Come on in my studio, Waff. I guess she doesn't want to. Okay, I'm closing the door. It's so cute. There's a little slit that's big enough to get both of her paws underneath the door. So from my view, when the doors close, I just see two little paws pawing at the door. (laughs) She's honestly the cutest. I'm obsessed with her. Okay. For this episode, I speak with Mariana Dvorska. Mariana is pretty freaking cool, I must say. She's from Ukraine, and she moved here when she was 10 and a half. She was so vulnerable and open during this conversation. She shares what happened to her during childhood and the ways she went about unlearning coping mechanisms and finding her power and confidence. Mariana was diagnosed with PCOS and actually took steps to heal her body and reversed it. She is now a sustainable health and wellness blogger. She has a YouTube and a podcast. The podcast is called Say Less Podcast. Definitely check out her content. It's super inspiring in terms of what foods to put in our bodies and how to heal ourselves holistically. Without any further ado, this is Mariana. Okay, well... And what do you record on? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just audition. Do you use that? No. Mm-mm. I was doing... Oh, I forgot what I was doing. I don't remember now. It's been so long. <laughs> There's a bunch of different platforms to choose from out there. Okay. It's kind of overwhelming. Like, yeah. did you do Red Circle or was it a different... Like... It was something with Spotify. It might have okay. been on the actual the Spotify thing or on Anchor. It was on Anchor. Oh, yeah. That's what it okay. was. Because I, I, I guess I'm on there... Thing. I still have no idea how any of it works. Like I know, it's so confusing. So weird. <laughs> yeah, so but. you like upload it to Anchor and then yes. Anchor puts it on puts Spotify. It on Spotify. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mine is called Red Circle and it okay. does the same thing. Gotcha, so, gotcha. but yeah, Katie helps me a lot with the yeah, she's research so and everything. Yeah, she yeah. like sat me down and did a little lesson for me. <laughs> and so, so we love her. <laughs> I know, she's the best. Um, well, welcome officially to Breakfast for Dinner. I am so excited to talk to you more. I mean, we just met recently and <laughs> I feel like we just clicked immediately. Instantly, instantly. <laughs> I'm so excited to be on. I'm so happy that we like connected. I felt like the second that we met I was like oh I I feel like I know you 
I know it did feel like okay we've known each other forever and we just went over there for a game night which was so fun what did we play um I always forget what it's called but that one where we're like it was moving each other yeah it got very intimate very fast yeah Yeah. I was like this is what I'm here for (laughs) like I love when you can just talk about anything with the people that you like instantly meet you're like this is my person and that's how I felt with you guys (laughs) exactly we were just talking about survivor and then we were talking about like deep topics and then we were playing charades and it was like yes. oh okay we can do all of the above all so. of it all of it <laughs> we'll have to do that again soon yes um, please um you told me about coming to america because you're from ukraine right yes yes so, so when did you come over here and tell me about that again all right so i was born and raised in ternopil ukraine which is a city in it's pretty close to lviv which is near poland um, and I basically grew up with my grandparents from the age of five to ten. My Both of my parents actually moved to the United States when I was five years old, and they were both doctors in Ukraine. My mom was like an OBGYN um, neonatal doctor. She was like delivering babies and working with babies from zero to like 13 days old, which is really crazy. Um, and my dad was actually studying to be a surgeon. So he was already a doctor, studying to be a surgeon. They won the green card when I was five and they were kind of like, well, this is, you know, a great opportunity. Ukraine is a third world country. So it was huge for us to be able to like get out there. Um, we both, we, all three of us actually came to the, United, to the United States and quickly my parents realized that there was no way that they could, you know, go to school and go to work and also raise a five-year-old. Like, they had no money. They had no mm. education at the time. Unfortunately, nothing transferred from Ukraine. Oh, so no. my dad actually went to med school twice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my mom, I'm so proud of her because she became a nurse practitioner. She has her master's in nursing and another bachelor's and something else like they're both so extremely educated and hardworking, and but but because of that I did have to go back to Ukraine and live with my grandparents and that was easily like the best thing that could have had could have happened to me I mean I'm so so grateful for that um but it did have like a lot of challenges um I very quickly realized that like that was my home and that was the new stability the new routine and that at 10 my mom was kind of like back on her feet she had her degree she had a good job she was in a new relationship and she was ready for me to come to the United States and so my life was very much kind of just uprooted at 10 years old and I remember like crying every single day after my grandparents told me that they really wanted me to come to the U.S. and that my mom really wanted me there and that it was going to be in the long run kind of like a good thing. But at the time, you know, I was a kid and I had my friends and I was in swim lessons and I had, you know, my family and my grandparents were literally my parents at the time. And they very much kind of overcompensated for my parents being gone. So they were very involved in everything. My grandma was like the head of the parents whatever in school yeah teacher conference and she did like you know we took summer trips and they did all my homework and my projects and like I never rarely did I have the time to kind of feel the absence of my parents which is I think a good thing and a bad thing um I definitely had to feel all of that later (laughs) but at the time yeah at the time Uh, I was like this is great I don't miss them I don't you know I just I was so loved um but to like lose that at 10 years old was really difficult but it's crazy because I remember them setting me down and saying like you know this country could at some point in your life become unsafe Mm. and it's come really full circle for me now I really realized that and I've actually had a lot of recently I'm like I have a lot of survivor's guilt and I have a lot of questions as to why 
people that I went to school with, you know, didn't get the same opportunity to like come to this country and be safe. And, you know, my heart breaks every day for my family and my friends in Ukraine. But I'm so grateful that I'm from there and that I get to have a platform and I get to like share about that and bring attention to it. Definitely. Yeah, because your grandparents, they just recently had to flee to U.S., right? Yes, they did. Yeah, it was a pretty long process, but thankfully they're safe. And, you know, it's been a it's been a pretty rough transition because it's one thing to move at like, you know, 10 or even when you're a kid when things are more adaptable. And I didn't speak English at the time, but I learned it, you know, within two or three years, whereas for them, it's almost impossible. But, you know, they're very positive. They're so in love my grandparents are just celebrated their 51 year anniversary that's awesome Um, and yeah i'm you know as long as they have each other they're okay but it's been it's been a pretty pretty hard transition but i'm just you know grateful that they're here and they're safe yeah uh, me too i'm so glad that they have you all to stay with and you know that must be so hard i mean i can't imagine just being so rooted and grounded in ukraine at that age and then coming here probably shook them up yeah definitely. i'm glad they have you and they're such p- patriots too like you know it's very i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure um but i'm so i'm so like proud of where i come from especially now you know we look at like ukrainian people's spirit and hope and their positivity i mean i call my family back home all the time and they're very much everyone's very positive everyone's very hopeful and I'm like, I guess you kind of have to be, you know, whereas here I have had more privilege to be able to like break down and be really Mm. upset and really angry and really whatever. Whereas like they kind of don't have a choice. So that's so interesting. It really is a privilege to like worry about things other than safety and other than basic needs. You know, I think it's it's such a good perspective to have that because I think a lot of the times we do get really wrapped up in those worries and it's like well yeah you have the privilege to sit down and be able to explore your emotions and fears and like care about things that we should as a society care about but a lot of people don't have the privilege to or the means to or like you know whatever situation they're in like we, we are like very very lucky and, and I feel that every day totally I agree um, with you me too yeah so when you got to America when you were 11 at this point? I was 10 and a half. 10 and a half, okay. Mm-hmm. So what was it like once you got here and growing up, learning English? What was that transition like for you? It was a very brutal transition. And for a very long time in my life, I I kind of looked back on that time of just being like, oh, that had to happen. That was a necessity. That was the only way that it could have gone. Uh, but you know, when I first moved here, like I said, I didn't speak any English and <laughs> This is a lot of TMI, but I actually got my period on the flight from Ukraine to the U.S. No way. I was flying by myself. My grandparents couldn't afford to fly with me, and my mom couldn't afford to go there and then bring me back. So they kind of put me on like the with the flight attendant kind of situation, which you can still do that. But to do a, a cross-country flight by yourself while you're moving to a new country, you don't speak English. I mean, I didn't. I think the stress of all of it triggered a yeah. hormonal kind of response which is wow, really crazy. Because that's pretty young. Super young. 10 years old is way, I mean, that's maybe really not anymore, young. but at that point it was still really, really young. And I just remember getting off the flight and I was wearing like a little Ukrainian t-shirt with the, with it was like a yellow t-shirt with the blue, um, kind of like the symbol of Ukraine that we have. And I remember having to tell my mom who at that point in my life 
wasn't really my mom like I mm. and I love my mom to death her and I are so close we really were able to kind of like repair and get really close throughout my teenage years and even from like 10 to you know 20 however long I lived with her we got really close she's like one of my best friends but at that point in time neither one of us knew how to interact with each other it was really weird so I had to be you like hadn't seen her in five years in right forever yeah my mom visited like once or twice while I was away but um yeah, I was. I just remember like that's such a traumatic experience, and I, I had to tell her that, and then we called my grandma, and like that was the only way that I felt like comfortable to even tell her that because my mom kept being like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And I didn't even know how to like say it. And for the longest time, like the first two years were so so brutal. Um, I ate lunch in the bathroom a lot. I was bullied a lot. I started to use food is kind of a coping mechanism um it was the only thing that made me feel good so i started to gain a lot of weight and i think my parents could sense it was my mom and my stepdad at the time my, my parents could sense that i was really sad so they would let me have the food that i wanted because that was the only time that i was happy so at the time like i understand why they were letting me eat mcdonald's and burger you know all all those things but it definitely um it, it definitely wasn't a healthy coping mechanism. I remember calling my grandparents a lot and just crying at nighttime, begging them to take me back. Aww. So it was really hard. Um, I got to visit every summer, which that was kind of like my saving grace. But I remember by like 13 or 14, I it was right, at, right after I learned English, things got a lot better. But before that, it was just really difficult because I had an accent and I, I stood out like a Thor sound sore thumb jesus christ uh and i had a really like horrible teacher who i just think didn't like me and didn't try to help me in any way so overall really difficult but after i learned english like things improved really fast that's good yeah no i can't imagine just coming to a totally different country and not speaking the language must be so difficult because it's not like everyone around you is putting in an effort to communicate with you i'm sure totally totally so it was like all on you and I just think it's really hard, you know, as a kid, like, all you want to do is is fit in. All you want to do is not be, like, the last person picked when you have a group project or you have, or you have you know, games during, like, gym class and you have to be kind of standing off to the side and hoping that either the teacher will assign you or whatever. Like, it's just such an embarrassing feeling um, and just so sad. And, again, like, I used to dismiss that experience a lot, but... I went to therapy during COVID and I unpackaged a lot of it. And I realize now that like, it was really, really traumatic. It really, really was. And I think it affected me in for years and years to come in terms of like decisions that I made in certain relationships and uh, choices that I made for my life. And just kind of like, I guess the way that I functioned and viewed the world, that experience alone really, really shaped me. And, um, and then I think that also caused a lot of issues down the road. So it wasn't until I really, like, it wasn't until COVID hit that I was like, okay, I really have the time to, like, to, to figure this out, to really try to understand what happened and why it happened that way and not dismiss my own experience because I did that a lot. I always felt like if I said, hey, this was really painful and this was really scary and it really hurt me, that that would somehow take away from the sacrifices that my parents made, mm-hmm. which you know were so difficult I mean, my parents to this day still have very thick accents and they get um you know they stand out a lot and that's something they have to live with for the rest of their lives where it's like I can blend in now and it feels more natural to to be in this world but um I, I never want to take away from like their sacrifices so I always 
made my experience very small of like well I was so lucky that I got to grow up with my grandparents and all that but gosh there's so many layers to everything know, you're saying so it's like it does seem like how is it that our childhood experiences can affect our adulthood so much but they really do I mean it completely yes. shapes us something that happened to us when we we're five or ten or fifteen can carry with us to where mm-hmm. it does kind of set in stone our brain patterns and if it's shifted in the negative having to totally unlearn that and like shift from oh I'm nothing I'm not worthy to like oh my gosh I am enough it's difficult I mean it takes like a lot of work and a lot of time I've realized like I went to therapy you know beginning of COVID which is now what almost three years ago and it is I think also it comes with age like as women we it's really interesting you know we're so scared to age but I've realized that with each year I get more confident I love myself more I'm much more of an advocate for myself versus an advocate for other people Um, and so I think that's you know this whole idea of like we're scared to age is although I feel that I realize how flawed it is because I think again with each year you get better and better but I do think that that takes time like to unlearn all of that takes time and you might not you might not unlearn it forever, but to like be aware of it and to actively be working against it is so freeing and has already given me so much more of life and so much more of me back. You know, I think I, I look back at, um, you know, the, the experiences that I had. So basically, I think from my standpoint, I had a lot of abandonment issues. It was like abandonment at five years old from like the two caregivers that were kind of supposed to be there. And then it was abandonment at 10 years old, although it wasn't, it wasn't, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It wasn't on purpose. It, 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 it kind of had to happen, if that makes sense. Right. It was still the feeling alone doesn't change. The feeling of now I had these two caregivers that were my support system, my safety, my whatever, and now I lost them again. So it was like every five years of my life, um, something really drastic happened where I lost my safety net. And that caused me to have a you know, anxious attachment style that actually proved itself to, (laughs) is really interesting. I have an anxious attachment style, but when it comes to the way that I present myself into the world and how I deal with that is actually through like avoidant, um, kind of actions. (laughs) So to put it. Kind of like plain hard to get like, Oh, I don't care. Yeah. Or like my initial response, the second that I feel threatened, although on the inside, I'm like, Oh, all I want is closeness. And all I want is for this person to just be like, I love you and I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. The way that I respond is we're distancing. I'm going to leave you before you get to leave me. That kind of feeling. Um, and I realized that in, um, my early, you know, my, in my relationship through COVID, I was like, Oh, I realized that any time that I feel any kind of threat, I'm like one foot out the door. And then, and I get that now because that's my coping mechanism. My body's been like, you know, we've been through a lot. We're never going to get close to people. And even if we do, you're always going to be kind of one eye open. You're out just to make sure there's no threats. And if there are, we're going to leave because that seems to be easier than, you know, staying and like working through it and getting attached and maybe getting your heart broken again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like an interesting thing to learn um through therapy I was very I was always like why do I act this way like why do I first sign of trouble and I'm like okay bye even though that's not what I really want it's not like what I'm craving um so that was really interesting but yeah just to unpack that I think a lot of people can relate to what you're describing what are some things that you do that where you've been able to trust people more 
you know what it was I think changing my opinion of myself I think everything for me stemmed from basically as I was growing up I think somewhere along the lines I formed this opinion opinion of myself where it was like you don't deserve love or you don't deserve um, someone to stay in your life because people constantly left so it made me feel like obviously there was something wrong with myself and that's how I functioned in this world so I was always like well what can I do to make people stay I became a people pleaser and I became I I didn't know how to stand up for myself and I didn't know how to set boundaries and I because I was so scared that people would then leave um and I think the bigger I guess the mindset mind my god I don't know what is happening I think I need water it's Um, the podcast (laughs) mindset shift was to really truly tell myself like no everything that happened to you had nothing to do with your worthiness as a human being with your you know whether or not you deserve love and happiness and good friendships and good relationships like just really erasing that from my brain and being like the reason that people left and the reason that there was so much kind of um so many changes that were maybe like not great changes had nothing to do with you especially not you as a kid and just really like embracing that and being like oh yeah I am a good person and I am kind and I am sweet I used to always I would have like um when I would meet new people, something I'd notice about myself was I would always be analyzing myself. Mm. Like, how are they perceiving me? Mm-hmm. It's because I didn't have a strong core system belief about me of who I really, really am. Um, because I always just kind of functioned from a place of fight or flight. And instead of figuring out who I am and what I like and what I want, it was always like, how can I make it so that other people don't you know, leave or don't... So that other people like me, basically. I was very scared of not being liked. And I think just developing such a strong system of, no, no, these are things that I deserve. It just, it, it made it so much easier to, to not be so attached to people and to not push people away and to like, I, I don't know, just to really come into a sense of self. And I think, again, that's something that happens through therapy, but also something that happens with age. Like each year, I'm like so much more confident in who I am in the topics that I speak about in the in the thoughts that I have in like just knowing what I want and what I like and what I what I feel really passionate about it's really really helped so that's awesome (laughs) no I totally relate to so many things that you're saying seriously um in society you want to be in your 20s or you know it's scary to age or whatever but so far I feel like it's the opposite I mean I'm thankful for the 20s because I think that it is a time of just figuring stuff out, not having it all together and just becoming conscious of things that we've been unconscious of. Like I was a people pleaser for so long and developed that as a coping mechanism and also perfectionism, like wanting everything to be perfect, wanting my body to be perfect, wanting my Instagram to be perfect, whatever it is, and really just becoming aware of it. That's what's so cool about therapy or just, I absolutely don't want to glorify the pandemic at all. Obviously, like so much loss happened, but I think a lot of wisdom comes from stillness and just like reflecting, just taking time to reflect. I love that, reflecting. I think it gave everyone who was in that privileged position an opportunity to reflect and to think more and to like go inward. And I mean, it was so difficult like the first year of the pandemic was so hard for me and I was really trying to figure out like what what am I so scared of and I realized that I was really scared of uncertainty and I was really scared of any major changes which if you look back on my life I'm like oh it totally makes sense because anytime that there were major changes 
none of, none of the times was it really positive. You know, there was always like a big uprooting thing that happened. So of course I was scared of all of that. Um, but I totally agree with you, reflection. And, you know, I think that my stuff also manifested itself. I, I was in a very long-term relationship with someone from the beginning of high school up until my move to that LA. And I realized now, like when I look back on it, I was so codependent, but in a very emotional way because in other ways I am very independent. So it was really weird to be in a relationship with someone that I really didn't, like I, I didn't know how I would ever survive without them. But mm-hmm. if I look back at my life, I had every other means to survive other than just what, what scared me was just the thought of being alone. And I think women are really, really afraid for some reason. Like men are always so encouraged, like, hey, go figure out what you want to do with your life. Explore your passions. Don't settle down until you find the right person. Whereas with women, we're always encouraged to present the best version of yourself and hopefully the right partner will like that and you can find someone and then you'll be fulfilled and it's like and I say this as someone who I really you know I'm gonna I I would love to be a mom and I hope I get the opportunity for that and I would love to be married and all those things but I don't think that that should be your only kind of from a young age being told that's all you're good for I mean it's so you know I think as much as your like childhood trauma affects you there's also a lot of really just wrong things with society yes or conditioning just external things yeah just subtle messages. Oh, there's so much. There's so much to unpack here, which is again so hard. Like I'm so fascinated with women. The older that I get, and this is gonna be the it's gonna be the name of the podcast. The older that you get. But <laughs> yeah. the older that I get and the more I realize the things that we deal with on a daily basis when it comes from, you know, hormones to uh, societal pressures to just you know everything that we're taught from a very young age and and encouraged to do like see, we have so much more unlearning to do than men and that's yeah. not to say that men don't have their own struggles I mean of course they do um, but it is so hard to be a woman in today's world and I I think a lot of that also comes from the fact that women don't you know we, we feel ashamed to share our experiences and our thoughts and about like really embracing who you are is so difficult as a woman and it's so much easier as a man and 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 that is a generalization and I'm sure there are men who don't feel that way and I'm sure there are women who've had an easier time than men but I think as a society as like in, in terms of the world that we live in women are not encouraged to like figure themselves out and to feel good about themselves and like there's just so much that you have to work against and I'm so in awe because every, I mean, there are so many amazing, confident, beautiful women in this world. And every day I'm just like, wow, like we, we really, we're, we're out here doing it, you know? Yeah. And it's like impressive. I recently went on um, like a um, little getaway with a brand and I met so many cool creators that were women and you know some of them were in like the body positivity space and others were in the sustainability space and to have these conversations like everyone is so well-spoken and and confident and I'm like I look at them I'm like god I know how much you had to go through to get to this point and it's so amazing Um, it's cool I think that's connected probably you know like a woman who has had to overcome so much more, like whether it's from society or childhood trauma or whatever, that also turns into our power and totally. we're able to like use that to 
keep going and be stronger, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't, you know? yes. Yeah, yes, like agreed. I'm glad. Totally, totally. And I'm so right there with you. Like, I think there's so much empowerment that comes with realizing and recognizing your own experience as a woman and like being like, yeah, you know, I've had to work through a lot. And I think that's also a way to figure yourself out. As, you, if, as long as you give yourself some grace and be like, yeah, like this hasn't been a great environment. It's never been a great environment for women, especially on top of everything else you have to deal with your, with your day to day. So it's like you can find power in that because I think we all struggle with confidence and it's like you should already be so confident because you are living in this world. Not only are you living, you're surviving and you're trying, you know, your hardest to like figure yourself out and it's already so difficult. So I think for me in therapy, like what really helped was having self-compassion, which is something I never had. I'm and it's interesting because I'm the most emotional person ever I take on other people's emotions I can cry at the sight of anything I like, <laughs> I like see old people walking down the street and I start bawling because it makes me think of my grandparents um, and I feel like I have an easy time reading other people's emotions and I always have been like pretty empathetic towards others but it was really difficult to be empathetic towards myself my therapist actually had me <laughs> do this exercise where she was like I want you to imagine yourself now at 25 grabbing your 10 year old self's hand and like walking her to the airport and like getting on that flight and like helping her in the bathroom as she was like bleeding and didn't know what the hell was happening and couldn't tell anyone because she didn't speak English and the flight attendants didn't speak English like just rewriting that experiencing experience and having compassion and being like that must have been so hard and for some reason it was really difficult for me to do that because I always felt like well if I admitted that it was hard then my parents would feel really bad and my grandparents would feel really bad. And, you know, another thing I learned in therapy was that two things can exist at the same time. Yes. Yes. You can be so grateful. Like I am so, especially today, I am so grateful for what my parents did to get us here, to get on our feet, uh, the sacrifices that my grandparents made. I mean, everyone did, you know, so much. And also at the same time, be like, that was really difficult. Like That was really, really hard. So, the one doesn't have to be versus another. It can just be at the same time. Two things can exist. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think I struggle the most with giving compassion to my old self mm-hmm. where I think, oh my gosh, what the heck was I doing when I was 18 or whatever, or even like three years ago, I'm just embarrassed that I was walking around, you know, but something that my husband always helps me with is he just says, hey, like, you were so amazing, even when you were 19, when you were 23, when you were, you know, your whole life, you just have been going through something. So just extending that same compassion to our current selves, and then yes. your 10-year-old self, your however old, totally. it's like, totally. whatever we've developed was a coping mechanism, because we were doing what we needed to do to survive, and then now we don't need to do that anymore. Like, now yeah. we're safe, and we can create safety in our own bodies, so... Um, I want to know more about your journey with PCOS. I don't really know much about it. So when did you find out that you had it and everything? All right. So it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And this was really interesting for me to experience because it happened right after my like five year long relationship ended. And um, I was feeling really it happened like a year in. And before that, because of the breakup and these big changes that were happening in my life, I went through a lot of stress. And I, you know, never really learned how much stress can affect your body. And this is another thing that I'm so passionate about, like women's health and for women to be educated on it and to like understand your menstrual cycle and to understand why we are so different. And we can't, you know, train the same way or eat the same way or even stress the same way. 
as men do. Um, and it's like, basically what happened was I randomly stopped getting my period and I started experiencing a lot of inflammation and gut health issues and it, it started happening very quickly. I started to, what I thought at the time was gaining weight, but I now look back on it, it was just inflammation. Um, and it was really unexplainable because I was eating the same way that I always had been. I was training the same way that I always had been, but I think what happened was my adrenals and my my body was kind of just basically done. It was also at the same time, like I had not been in therapy. I was still functioning from a place of fight or flight. I didn't have a strong sense of self. So I think all that trauma and then going through like this big breakup and having just this whole brand new life in front of you, it all took a toll. Um, and all of a sudden stopped getting my period. I was so, so depressed and confused. I didn't, I had no idea what was happening. And both of my parents, like I said, are in the medical field. So they were like, hey, let's go to these gynecologists and let's go to these specialists. And I would go from one to the next to the next. And because I was still fair, like in, in good shape for what it seemed like to them, like my BMI was still fine. Right. Whatever, they never really took me seriously. Mm, I would come in and I say, hey, I haven't had a cycle. I um, am experiencing weight gain slash inflammation my gut health is really bad I'm not sleeping I'm I have acne like it's really unexplainable but it was all on for them you know it was on a low spectrum so they never wanted to do an ultrasound they never wanted to do blood work they'd just be like oh you know what I can prescribe you the pill and that'll regulate your cycle mm. or I can give you antidepressants or I can give you both and at one point I actually had a gynecologist tell me this, this was the last time I actually went to that gynecologist to a gynecologist um she didn't look at me I was in the office for like 30 minutes she walked in she looked at my chart and she said uh based on looking at your chart like I can just give you birth control and when you come back in in like you know however long many years and we can do IVF if you're interested in having kids and I walked out of that office and when I tell you like I was driving home this was probably my like fifth appointment third gynecologist second uh, like thyroid specialist I, I mean I tried everything and no one was believing you and you're no one was going to the expert and my body felt like it was fighting against me I was so frustrated with myself all the time and you know what I thought I had to do at the time was even lower my food even more and cut more calories and beat the gym more because I just wanted to reverse all that all those symptoms and they were only getting worse so it felt like my body was rebelling against itself I felt so alone and I felt so scared and sad in so many ways and I ended up finding a few articles online I just remember going home and being like okay I need to like logically think about this this wasn't something that I have had over the last however many years that I've been alive obviously things can change I understand that these things can come about but also let me understand what this even means what it could even be um and I remember just reading about PCOS and all these women talking about how they were naturally able to, because all PCOS is, is just a set of symptoms. It's a very interesting kind of diagnosis because they, like doctors don't know that much about it. In my experience with the medical industry, and I say this with both of my parents, my grandparents, they were all into medicine. I think that this, you know, doctors are very great at treating diseases at treating um you know if you have a broken arm like of course you're going to go to the doctor of course you're going to go you know if you have need a surgery or any of those things but when it comes to chronic disease especially when it comes to women there's just not enough studies and there's not enough i mean i had a doctor tell me yeah it could be pcos but we don't really know enough about it so the only option that i have for you is the pill and i was like what the hell what do you mean you don't know enough about it i mean it 
so many women struggle with PCOS right. and you don't you can't even give me information on it you can all you're telling me is that there's cysts on my ovaries and you don't know why they're there you don't know what to do about them like I was really frustrated I started doing research on it something that was a big connection was that it's it's your body is it's out of tune it's out of touch it's not kind of like a train going on the rails and it went the wrong way so I'm like how do I get this train back I started doing research about how much you know insulin resistance and inflammation how much gut health I mean gut health plays such a huge role in our overall health not just hormones but also sleep and acne and um, mood and like all these different things so I was like where do I start I start with probiotics I start with I looked at my exercise and I was like wow I'm exercising seven days a week and I'm at the gym for two hours and my body is freaking out like yeah, I need to tired. <laughs> yeah. so I started walking more and doing yoga and then I found an acupuncturist he was an herbalist and acupuncturist and he's had like 30 plus years of experience with specifically the endocrine system and women's health and he worked with like endometriosis patients and PCOS and um, you know again chronic disease I came to him and it was the most comprehensive, thorough appointment that I have ever had. Wow. I was in that office for an hour and a half. He looked at everything, my tongue, the inside of my eyes, my ears. He took fingerprints. He took my temperature, blood pressure. We talked about um, stress, emotional stress, and uh, my birth control stuff. We talked about what I ate and like all these different things. And I was like, this is so crazy. The fact that I can go to a doctor, an MD doctor, and they're only going to do is look at my chart and then send me on my way with some pills versus this doctor that's like, hey, this is this is going to take some time. Don't worry. Like the first thing he said to me, he was like, don't worry. Like we're going to figure this out. I was like, that's all I needed to hear. I just yes. needed someone to be like, I'm going to help you. And he talked about how I should be eating and sleeping and what I should be focusing on. And Sarah, within six months, my period came back. No and it's way. been regular uh. ever since. I go back to the doctors now and they'll do the ultrasound where they look at my ovaries and they'll tell me that I was misdiagnosed with PCOS. Even though No way. Even oh though I have the ultrasound no. with the, with uh, cysts on my ovaries where they that's when they diagnosed me with PCOS. I'm like, no, 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 how can you be misdiagnosed? Like they were there, but doctors just have a very hard time um telling women that like it can be reversed which I understand because PCOS is a spectrum and if you have it on a very high spectrum it could take years for it to get better it may never get better you know it's so hard every woman's body is different but there's a huge percentage of women who do struggle with PCOS who I do think can reverse it but doctors are not going to take the time to sit down and like come up with this comprehensive plan so that's where I think naturopathic medicine when it comes to chronic disease and women's health is so helpful absolutely i love that he your acupuncturist took you seriously and listened to you and because i do feel like each of us know our own body better than anyone else can know it absolutely so we know when something is off we know what we tried to it's like okay look i have tried drinking all the water i've tried doing all this exercise or whatever and it is not working and that's why usually you know you get to a point where you've got to go seek out the expert and it's pretty interesting how so many doctors and experts um, on medicine are almost like pitted against holistic and natural medicine and it's a bummer because I wish it could be more like inclusive where both of them can exist at the same time like we were saying before like we don't need to have it be 
one against the other, it can Absolutely. work together in tandem. Absolutely. And I, um, I totally just lost my train of thought as I was thinking about it. Oh, I was trying to say, you know, I think, I think what I've realized is, and I, and I want this to be very clear because I think you can listen to my story and be like, well, she's against birth control and she's against this. And it's like, no, and I'm also not even against doctors. And I understand that most patients who come into the doctor's office, they do want their symptoms of PCOS to be gone immediately. And if you take the pill, it is a Band-Aid approach, but it does help relieve some of that, you know, hair growth and inflammation and waken all of that. And I understand that doctors, like most people don't have the time to like, research and dedicate their time to this and I was so privileged to be in the position that I can do that but that's why you know I I think that we should know about this stuff from early on because I think a lot of this can be prevented and I do wish so much that like naturopathic medicine and western medicine could connect and like you know be together because there's room for all of it I mean I think women just need to know how to advocate for themselves and I think there's a lot of money in medicine at the moment and Mm. that makes it really difficult I mean even for like a doctor they're gonna have to see 20 plus patients a day because they're not getting paid that much for it whereas my acupuncturist can see five people and it it was really expensive for me to pay for it so you can take the time you know but that's where like insurance comes in and like that's a whole other story so I started to kind of just post on my Instagram about my experience because I think that if I can at least just help you know I had years and years of learning about all this stuff podcasts and my acupuncturist and naturopathic doctors and like this is this is what I'm passionate about this is what I want to put out into the world I'm like if I can take it in digest it in my own brain and just spit it out in like the most simple way possible that a mom who has two kids can understand and somehow implement some of these things in her life and make it better then like that's that's what I want to do um that's such a (laughs) worthy mission and such a needed cause for real because thank you really there is just so much misinformation out there and then another part of it too is information is always changing or it's evolving so what might have been true about what's good to put in our bodies 30 years ago it's been found out that some stuff we were taught is the opposite where it's like oh we're not supposed to have fats and now it's like no okay actually avocado and you know butter is good for you like you know exactly so there could be um people who have been trained one way and then haven't had time to dive into all the new stuff because there is a lot of mixed messaging out there with nutrition and wellness I mean absolutely you can find someone on Instagram saying bread is good for you bread is bad for you I mean it's just all over the map (laughs) and that's where like my biggest advice is always listen to your body because even some of the advice that I'll give out I'm like, that could not work for someone else. Right, that could yeah. not work for the the issues that you're dealing with or the life that you live or like the, the way that your body regulates itself. And that's why being your own advocate and implementing things in like a gentle way and trying different things, you know, like we know, we know for a fact, like we know for a fact that walking is good. It reduces stress. They've done studies on it. So it's like things that you know for a fact are good. Implement them in your life as long as they don't stress you out. But everything else, be weary of it. But, you know, things like sleep. Sleep is so important. That will never change. 60 years from now, they're going to say the same thing. You need quality sleep. You need to learn how to manage your stress. You need to eat healthy in whatever capacity you can. Treat your body right. Uh, But I think, you know, for the longest time, especially like 
in the 1990s and the early 2000s, we had this wave of uh, diet culture kind of come mm, by yeah. and all that stuff. But, um, you know, if you can just go back to the basics. Like I always say, if you can go back to the way your grandparents and great-grandparents used to eat and treat their bodies – that will that's a good place to start yeah our body will tell us to rest probably more than the world will tell us to rest like the world is like hustle go 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 work out two hours in the gym every day you know like that's kind of the messages we're receiving but our body is going to point us in the right direction and i think that's something that took me a really long time to learn if you start to really like god i could go on and on about this i mean there's so much to understand about how our bodies work but it's like we change with the seasons and and as long if you can let go of like the body uh, manipulation stuff and just focus on nourishing yourself your cravings will be so easy to understand and satisfy and it's fascinating like I'm always just so fascinated with my body like if I wake up one day and I'm like mm, or if I'm in a grocery store and I look at a fruit and I'm like that sounds good like there's a reason why that sounds good yes. there's something that I'm missing and I'm gonna get it now my body can feel safe and knows that if it's if it needs something it's gonna get it I'm not gonna work against it and tell itself that oh I can't have this because it has too many calories because then you get all out of whack but as long as you're like satisfying your cravings and your body feels like it's on a smooth system and it's rolling and it's doing good everything else kind of settles into place so it probably knows when something is in season like that knows oh peaches are in season so I want a peach right now Mm -hmm. and it's more exploratory too like incorporating new foods that our body might lead us to that we wouldn't normally like pick off the produce aisle or whatever um well thank you so much for just being so vulnerable and sharing your story and I mean you have so many amazing things to say so where can people follow you you know on YouTube yes so I have a YouTube channel it's mostly like healthy recipes and what I eat in a days and those like you know I just I want people to like see me eat a lot of food and you know treat my body well basically I think a lot of the times women will come on my channel and be like wow you eat a lot and I'm like yes and I want you to feel safe to do that too (laughs) so I still post a lot of content like that um YouTube and Instagram I'm now on TikTok (laughs) um and I think I really need to bring the podcast back like I really miss it it's called the say less podcast um because my whole life I've always just been like well I'm gonna say less in order to fit in so now I'm like it's kind of the opposite. Yeah, I, I want like to say more. I'm like, I have podcast. so much more to say. Yeah. But the last thing I'm going to do is say less. But um, it's called the Say Less Podcast. And I think it's going to make a comeback. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so like impressed with everything that you've done. And I can't wait to read your book. And I'm... I'm just in awe because I know you've also been through a lot and it is really inspiring. So we need more women to like feel that way. You know? I know. And anyone who identifies as a woman. I feel like I should have clarified that at the beginning. But I think that as long as you identify as a woman, you have every right to feel, you know, everything that we just talked about. So. Absolutely. I totally agree. Thank you again. And I will definitely shout out your podcast when, that's, when you have your next episode. Okay, bye.